<laughs> hey, showstoppers! Hey, we're back, everybody. Hey, we're back with a very special episode, Corey, because this is our last. I know. Our last episode of our top five movie series, which is kind of exciting. We it, we did it. <laughs> but it's the it's the start of me kind of like crowbarring this format into every other show we ever make. Yes, this is fun. Fair enough. This we is really fun. liked doing it, so we're probably just gonna keep doing it this way. Yeah. There, there's lots more. Like we discovered the other day that Jesse had never seen the Shawshank Redemption. So That's I'm gonna true. force her to watch with me at some point. We're we're gonna find more excuses to show favorite movies and just yeah. get live reactions out of each other. I love that. Because this has been so much fun. It's like a film study. Uh-huh. Except it's just more about our personalities than yeah. It's a it's a friend study. Yeah, <laughs> it's a that works. Study that's cute. I like Which was the idea study. all along. Yeah. Exactly. So using these as the vehicle to understand one another, and that, like this this movie we're talking about today doesn't reflect t- terribly well on me uh, or kindly <laughs> on me. <laughs> well, no, I don't it, think that's true, actually. Well, okay. Well, I'm on the side of the good guys. It should be exactly. said. But, <laughs> however, uh, but th- this is this was always the point of the show, and this is I think the experiment worked, bud. I've learned a lot about you yeah. based on your choices. I think you've learned a lot about me, and it's just been it's been interesting learning about. I I can't speak for you, but I've learned a lot about myself and why I was just going to say that. <laughs> yeah. So we've been able to like gaze inwards. And this is just like this show is two people crawling up their own butts anyway, but especially so with the last few weeks. Uh, yes. Particularly just... <laughs> self-evasive here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, we've just been navel gazing to a greater degree than we normally would have been. Uh, but the, the experiment worked, man. I think this has been really cool. It's been cool to revisit some of these movies. It's been cool to understand what part of our soul speaks to us through these movies and uh and it's been a gift to be able to share these with you bud i agree right back at you <laughs> just like unwrapping a gift every single time i get to watch a movie and that's then talk right. about it that's um, right but before we reveal what your uh what your movie is i think we already did no i don't think we did i think this is actually we a genuine not. surprise to our the people listeners. the people who clicked on the button with the name of the movie are still unaware <laughs> they're still in the dark <laughs> You don't know what what we're going to talk about. about. It's a mystery. But before we say it out loud in the actual episode, Uh um, what were your like honorable mentions? Oh, yeah. Like, how did you get to this decision? Because this is your last one. And I had a particularly hard time figuring out what my last one was going to be. And and this one, you you had a really rough time figuring that out. And we gave you your special little uh, sandbox to your your little uh, soapbox to, to, to. uh, preach about the movies that didn't yes. make the cut. This, this this record would have happened sooner had it been easier for me to make up my mind, I'm pretty sure. This uh, this yeah. episode's coming out pretty far after the last one we did. What was the last episode we did? It was oh, When Harry Met uh, Sally. When Harry Met, I was about to say Sleepless yes. in Seattle, which is not one of my favorite movies, <laughs> by the those. way. But uh, When Harry Met Sally... <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the this is why I love this show because we're expressing the level of nuance that goes into loving something like a romantic comedy. You can <laughs> love when Harry met Sally and vehemently say no, Sleepless in Seattle, no. Um, so yeah, the last one was Harry met Sally, and I was agonizing for the last few weeks over what was going to make the cut. Mm-hmm. It, it came down eventually to uh, either No Country for Old Men, which I decided against because we'd already done the Coen Brothers, uh, mm. and the one we're covering today because it's a lot of fun, and I think it would be a nice one to. End on and I think it's going to be uh, but some others that that almost made the cut I, I 
really wanted a Paul Thomas Anderson to be on there, but I couldn't mm. decide. I, I said There Will Be Blood was one of my favorite movies for a really long time, and it still is, but it, like, what a bummer. And that would have been a slog for you, I think. I think you would have enjoyed it, but not, not, not the most fun movie in the world to talk about. Interesting. Um, I thought Brazil by Terry Gilliam almost made the cut. Uh, it's Such a Beautiful Day by Don Hertzfeld almost made the cut. There's a lot of things that, like, I, I feel guilty not including them. And I, I still do, and I will. Um, <laughs> but th- that just gives us opportunity to cover a lot of these in the future, right? Exactly. They're, 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 there's things to circle back to. She says that she's actively Googling each of <laughs> Exactly right. Exactly right. Uh, we'll, we'll catch up with those eventually. You're you're free to watch those on your own accord. You don't have to wait for me on there. They're very good. Um, there, there, there are any number of ones that could be named here, but I, I think... Yeah, no, I'm 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 happy with this choice. I just had to eventually get out of my own way. Like you're mm. you're overthinking this dipshit. Like this is obviously you saw this five times in the theater. You, you, <laughs> you, you did? Me. Yeah, I dragged people who didn't necessarily want to go watch this movie. Hi, Dad, uh, into the theater to go watch this. And yeah, it's it's easily top five. I was overthinking it. This is the most glorious bombastic like joyful experience yes. this is such a rich layered textured stupid movie i love it so much uh that's excellent that's it so are we are we ready to like finally lift the veil and finally Such take it. people off the tinder hooks they've placed themselves on wondering <laughs> fruitlessly what this movie is tell the people what they want to hear <laughs> inglorious bastards <laughs> so, Inglorious Bastards tells the tale of two accidentally parallel plots to kill Hitler. Uh, one plot, uh, Shoshana Dreyfus, uh, in living under the assumed alias Emmanuel Mimieu, uh, orphaned by the Holocaust, seeks revenge uh, when her theater is selected to host the grand premiere of Nazi propaganda film Pride of the Nation, or Nation's Pride, sorry. Uh, the second plot being Alder Rain and his gang of inglorious bastards working alongside the Brits and uh, Lieutenant Archie Hickox uh, to infiltrate the movie's premiere under the guise of Italian filmmakers and we watch their plots play out simultaneously. Oh, there it's it's so good. It's so good <laughs> to watch these two plots. I just have to say like I think your description of the movie like it's so joyful like you wouldn't think that like No. Like, it's not a joyful title, it's not a joyful subject. No. But there's something about like when we talk about like reclaiming things, there's something about right. reclaiming this moment that this movie does. Right. Um that's and pretty it's a part of Tarantino's cool. wider like re- reclamation project. The last several mm. films he've made have yeah. been historic what ifs, historical fiction, like what if this had played out differently? What if subjugated people had gotten their revenge on their subjugators? Mm-hmm. So think Django Unchained, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is what if we had been able to, what if Sharon Tate had lived next to the perfect people for the Manson family to go up against? Uh, and then what if um, a, a Jew or from by the Holocaust and American Jews whose families were killed were able to get their revenge against the greatest atrocity in the modern age. Pretty, pretty amazing <laughs> to think about. I love Like, I just think that, it, I mean, first of all, there's something about this genre of movie, like the World War II, uh, oh, yeah. um, that like people enjoy 
watching because yeah. it, it it's like such a like I grew up on World War II movies and my dad was watching, you know, so like 100%. it's also part of your education. So I think there's an element of that here. But this movie is fictional. It's totally fictional. And it it's a fairy helps. tale. It's a fairy yeah. tale. And that's what yeah. makes it joyful to watch. Uh, I mean, I found myself at the end, which we'll probably spend a lot of time on, just like I was smiling through the whole entire thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I was like, oh, (laughs) it was just so good. Um, And uh, you just find yourself thinking, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Let's go. This is this is this is my greatest reclamation personal project is uh, like degrading Jesse's speech to the point of hell yeah let's go about everything. <laughs> I'm glad to see it's finally working, but this is the yes. most hell yeah let's go movie I've ever seen in my life. It's Absolutely, the there are no uh, other words to describe it besides those four. <laughs> <laughs> because when he's not giving us the like the candy of Diane Kruger lifting a coupe glass in her beautiful brown suit in La Louisiane, which is what cameras were invented to do. Um, He's giving us like Hitler being air holed by semi-automatic rifles. He's giving us like the most uh, maximalist uh, over the top fairy tale version of what Mm -hmm. a satisfying World War II picture would be. And I'm, I'm much the same way as you to, to, go back to what you said earlier it was like I grew up on being adjacent to a lot of these World War II movies too because that's my dad's primary fixation that's his favorite subclass of history art genre whatever but it was like uh, it would be the great escape or it'd be the big red one the dirty dozen etc mm-hmm. and the the movies that this movie is riffing on and paying homage to very very directly either in casting or the naming of the movie is a reference to one before but this is part throwback part real postmodern exercise mm-hmm. in Tarantinoism. No one could have made the movie like he did. No. Uh, but, man, l- l- let's talk about the movie, bud. Well, I'm so excited. I was just going to oh, say go ahead, the, go the ahead, Tarantino man. thing is interesting because, you know, you, you're you so good at having all of this knowledge. I have to Google this knowledge. But, like, Tarantino didn't, didn't couldn't, felt like he couldn't make this movie for, for one reason or another at different yeah. points in his career, which I thought was really interesting because I think um, the way it came together, he couldn't have done it at any other moment to have no. not have this perfect cast and this perfect depiction of what we would have loved to have seen during that period in our history, you know? Yeah. Um, and so I think the the moment came together exactly when it should have. But I thought the the interesting part was like him not being able to figure out a satisfying ending. And I wonder how he got to where he got. Like, how did he get there? But you would think that he would just know that, of course, the right answer is just to kill everybody. That all the of bad course, people. Yes. Um, but <laughs> well, he, a lot of the good people too. But yeah, just well, kill everybody. True, but yeah. you can't you can't have uh, growth without sacrifice. You know? so, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, you got to burn the forest for it to regrow. Grow back healthier. Exactly, Um, but I think that how like how did he get there? Like, what was the struggle? I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. I think gradually and over time. I think this movie is a river rock. I think Mm -hmm. it's like this perfectly polished, beautiful black thing that took 
like centuries to just gentle water caressing its edges and sanding it down into this perfect smooth thing that you can buy at Pier One Imports. Uh, <laughs> but no, like you're right. Like he, this could only have been made at this time. Mm-hmm. And if you read trivia on like the making of and the different stages of production it went through, the aborted attempts to start it up and casting and stuff, he had planned to make this in the late '90s with with the likes of Sylvester Stallone, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Hugo Stieglitz. Like, like he. Mm. There were a bunch of like different versions, like mirror, mirror versions of this movie that could have been made. Wow. But you're right. Like if he had done it earlier, we wouldn't have Michael Fassbender. We wouldn't yeah. have Christoph Waltz. We wouldn't have Brad Pitt at this exact point in his career Ugh. where he kind of well, he was on the come up again, but kind of needed a hit and needed yeah, to rebrand yeah. himself a little bit. Yeah. Uh, they, he wouldn't have had Daniel Bruhl. He wouldn't have had this perfect little Nazi kid uh, that spoke 20 languages and was able to convey it this way. It's it's a and, very special um, thing. Uh, BJ Novak. Like, I know yeah. his part is small, but man, <laughs> they look the part, you know? Like, yeah. it's just an Eli Roth, also honorable Absolutely. mention there. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> Someone, someone I love, despite giving like like categorically the worst performance in the movie, like a jarring bad performance. But he's just he's like great. a he's stero- like, but they wanted a stereotypical performance, yeah. and that's they what said he go gave for them. it. Go yeah. for it, Eli. Yeah, Eli, another maximalist filmmaker in his own right. Um, oh, you know what I thought was interesting is they wanted Adam Sandler for that part. Yes, and what a missed opportunity that would have yeah, been. Yeah, like how he fucking would incredible movie conflict. Fucking cancel that conflict. Cancel dude. the conflict. Yes, I, I, I don't know what movie. <laughs> it was there's no way it could have been better than this but um, imagine like the magic trick and this doesn't happen anymore but occasionally a movie will leave something out of the trailer and then you experience it for the first time in the theater it's shocking i know occasionally it still happens yes but imagine if you had no fucking idea that adam sandler was in this movie and you hear the bat clang in the tunnel and <laughs> out he comes in all his glory it, it like, it would have been epic. People would have been tearing the damn seeds out of the theater, yeah, man. Yeah. It would have been incredible, incredible. I think but we ne- sort of get that ever so slightly with Mike Myers, who weaseled Absolutely. his way into this movie. Absolutely. But like <laughs> that, that, that would have been an epic moment with Adam Sandler and greatly disappointed that we didn't. And, the, and this is not one. to discount the performances that we get in this movie. No, like, not like, at all. Of course there are missed opportunities. There always are. <laughs> but man, like, and I think rather than like, discuss every cast member right now. I think we'll naturally arrive on them as we make our way through and be able to spend more time and break them down a little bit. But um, are you ready? Let's go. Okay, great. So. Hell yeah, let's go. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) So we start uh, once upon a time in Nazi-occupied France. Uh, We we start at the farmhouse of Perrier La Petite, a humble French dairy farmer uh, whose house is approached forebodingly to the strains of Ennio Morricone's take on Fur Elise by one Hans Landa, uh, Christoph Waltz. Uh, Perry Labadid is suspected of having harbored Jewish re- Jewish refugees, and Hans Landa is there to investigate. Jesse, what do you think of the scene, bud? Oh, this is like the classic, um, you know, World War II moment that's so traumatizing that everybody you've read about it, you've heard about it, you've seen oh, yeah. a movie about it. Um, you've seen a lot. You've never seen really like a quote unquote comedic movie about it, right? Um, but like, woof, it's a tough moment. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> um, and it's just so beautifully done though. Like we, I, I would say like when I was watching that scene again earlier today, um, 
you know, it's it's smartly done. You know something bad is happening. You start to you start to put together the pieces as to what that thing is, and it immediately becomes clear that uh, before you even see the family under the floorboards, that he has them. Um, Absolutely. And the the performance by what's his face, Dennis Menoche. Yeah, Denis uh, Menoche. Yeah. Denis Menoche is, yeah, is yeah, very he's French, very. Lady. He's oh, sorry, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I gotta get better at my French pronunciation. <laughs> no, you don't. You absolutely don't. <laughs> um, I was terrible at French, by the way. It's the only class I ever failed. Um, I, I actually didn't fail it. <laughs> But but by your standard, you failed. Yes, exactly. You got a B minus in that bad boy. (laughs) (laughs) Very bad at French. Uh, Very very bad, as my college teacher will attest to you. Um, So, anyways, he uh, he's giving this really great performance of you know he's got to either protect his family or give up this other family, and you know that's Sophie's choice. No uh, reference movie intended, but. <laughs> it is a Sophie's choice. That's correct. Yes, it is uh, a Sophie's yeah, but choice. This is also like the 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 tone establisher, the tone setter for the rest of the movie. It establishes mm-hmm. a bunch of things very quickly, which is to say that like this movie is not in English. We're gonna ping pong between a bunch yes. of different languages. Um, we, one of the reasons I I keep coming back to it, by the way, I like it, it, it. The moving between languages is for whatever reason it scratches a real itch. It's very very fun just to think the lines and. German, Italian, or French, or English, um, but it also establishes the fact that uh, the subject matter we're dealing with is extraordinarily heavy, but we're not here to punish you. We're going to occasionally leaven the bread, so to speak, when when Hans takes out his huge pipe, or when he asks for a second glass of milk, or when he gives the analogy of the rat and the hawk, etc. Like they're, like, they're having fun with this from Joe. Yes. Uh, th- and I think they use that language shift very intentionally throughout the oh, movie. Yeah. To your point, to like, you know, here's a, here's a bone, English speakers, and then also right. sort of to, to say... Um, uh, it, it's it's a power move in different moments as well, which I think is really interesting. Yeah, um, and and there's also like a harness of it. You have to have a harness of it if you're going to be using it for um, for good. So you know we'll talk about that later. But I think of you course. have to you have to be skilled at it to be able to use it well. And nobody does it better than Hans Landa, um, right. who who uses it very intentionally for for power to wield power over the moment, especially in this first scene, I think, um, and because he doesn't want anyone, especially those below the floorboards, to understand what's happening. That's um, right. And so I think that is a a really great moment. And I also think this is establishes Christoph Waltz's like. Uh, handprints on the walk of fame in LA. I don't know if mm-hmm. he's actually on there or not, but he deserves it. He will them. be eventually. Yeah. Um, and because that, his performance in this movie is absolutely spectacular and it, it is established in this very moment. And he plays the best villain um, in the sense That's that it. he's everything that you want him to be. Like he's funny, he's sneaky, he's charming. Right. And he's evil. <laughs> he's a he's a recognizable evil. Yeah, he's yes. he's an evil of the twentieth twenty first century. He's a, he's a bureaucrat. Like mm-hmm. he's just doing paperwork. He's just finding people and calling people on their bluffs. And that was the big push of this movie when it was first coming out. Uh, more more even than the let's get the gang together. Let's uh, let's watch this fun spy movie. Uh, let's kill Hitler. It was more the like 
they've created a new Hannibal Lecter. Yes. They, they yeah. found this found German him. guy no one's ever heard of. He was at a bunch of soap operas in Germany for a while. Um, relatively famous there, but not here. They found this guy, and you will not believe how scary he is. You will not believe what a great villain he is. And this movie was largely sold on the back, not of Brad Pitt, not of Quentin Tarantino, but of the performance of Christoph Waltz. That's what everyone was talking about when it first came out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And well-deserved. <laughs> well-deserved, yeah. So we, he interrogates uh, uh, Perrier Lapidite. Oh, well, go ahead. Well, what, what I thought was interesting as well is that, um, like, Leo's, that he was originally thinking about Leo he DiCaprio was, yeah. for this role. But obviously he got his his great role with uh, what Django, Django Unchained, right? Um, yeah, yeah. And that's when they so, first worked together. Yeah. Um, but I think he then realized I want this native German speaker, uh, this right. German actor, and it was it was the best thing he could have done. It was absolutely the right choice. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As much as like this is a pro Leo podcast, like you can't give me back yes. Leonardo DiCaprio. Absolutely. However, uh, it would have changed the entire valence of the movie. It yeah. wouldn't have been language is a weapon it would have been americans doing german accents the rest of the movie and that yes. would have been uh, we, we may not have noticed that what we were missing out on because we've never met christoph waltz at that point but that's a real sliding door uh, he got his man uh, yeah that was the that was the maybe the biggest thing that was holding up production over the over the two decades it took to get this in, in, into theaters was they couldn't find their man they couldn't find mm. this one guy um but yeah it's the birth of a, a almost supernatural evil in hans landa love it so uh, he, he, well, he uh, we we meet the the Dreyfuses, the the family shelter under the floorboard, and when they're it's revealed that they're down there, it's the old Hitchcock thing of like, like you build suspense by letting the audience know that there's a bomb under the table when the mm -hmm. normal conversation is happening. So that's exactly what he's given us here, uh, and we meet them with their descriptions. We meet Shoshana, she's this, that, and the other age. We meet Bub. We meet everybody in this family, and eventually Hans Landa, after inviting himself in, enjoying a lovely glass of milk and smoking his enormous pipe, uh, he turns with your shelter and enemies of the state. Are you not? Um, and it, then then we're off to the fucking races, buddy. It, the movie has turned. We know exactly what we're doing. Uh, and yeah, Perry Lepidite has to make the difficult choice. You know, um, they turn these incredibly tragic moments into a... I mean, this first one maybe being the exception here, but like these, these incredibly tragic moments into moments of, of victory in some way. Yeah. And Shoshana escaping is the right. moment of victory for this moment. Um, and it's terrible and sad. You know, her family has been murdered. But there's also this great moment where he, in his very villainous ways, mm -hmm. lets her let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, which is fascinating because he could have killed her. He didn't. Why? Why didn't he kill her? Because <laughs> this is a game to him. Uh, yeah. He's having, he's playing bingo the entire movie. He's right. just having mouse fun trap. out there. Yeah. yeah he's Cat playing mousetrap. Mouse. Yeah. yeah. So, he, so yeah, he lets her go uh, with an au revoir Shoshana. And uh, we fade out of the Shoshana Dreyfus story for a little while. And mm -hmm. we meet our title characters, pal. You ready? Yeah! <laughs> Hell yeah! Let's go! <laughs> Chapter 2, Inglorious Bastards. Uh, we start with uh, Aldo Rain making a speech to his new recruits. What is Aldo Rain's mission statement, if you had to boil it down? 
um, scalp Nazis. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Right. He wants 100 <laughs> Nazi scalps. So we're introduced to the bastards who are a group of Jer- Jewish American soldiers. You're introduced by... <laughs> to him, by the way, as the scalping is happening, which is very jarring. Um, that's correct. Yeah. <laughs> but it's excellent. Yes. Um, I also just quit. Sorry. I'm going to. But by all means, by all means. Um, I-, I love the Tarantino tie into once upon a time in Nazi occupied France. Yeah. And he likes that phrase. He I really does. He, he loves to play on that moment. Well, you know, we had once upon a time in Hollywood which we both watched and loved. So, uh, yeah, it was. I liked that little reference. But anyway, yeah, back to all the <laughs> Yeah, if you want to talk about someone jumping up their own ass, that, that's yeah. what Quentin does all the time. That's he's Quentin loves Quentin. Um, but yeah, we meet the Inglorious Bastards. Uh, what did you... I mean, what can be said about Brad Pitt? What, what can be said about Brad Pitt? Let, yeah, let's have the conversation him, now. We should give him a moment here. Uh, you know, this is I like Brad Pitt in this movie a lot. I think he does an excellent job. How uh, could you not? How, how, how do you not love this, like, Tennessee-born <laughs> southern accent? A shit um, kicker. Yeah! And he's like, we're going to kill them Nazis. And you're just like, yeah, you, hell yeah! Let's go! <laughs> how do you not get behind a character like that? Um <laughs> It, it's excellent. I love it. Love the accent in particular. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, he gives his modus operandi. We cut quickly to Hitler having kind of a rough day, uh, bemoaning the, the many losses at the hands of these bastards who've been doing them the devil. Um, Hitler in this movie is a, is a, is a whining baby, which is pretty yeah. in line with the historical record. He was, he was a, a meth-addicted, uh, shit-obsessed pervert who wanted to wipe out the Jews. And the, the movie doesn't give it any more glory or honor than that. Uh, big whiny baby uh, talking about these, uh, these inglorious bastards these jewish kids from america who've been hiding in the woods scalping <laughs> all of his soldiers and marking them with swastikas on their foreheads uh but then we see them in action for the first time we see mm-hmm. them in this little culvert on the side of this uh I, I believe they're are they in france at this point they might be in germany they're somewhere i in remember europe. yeah they they have landed in europe they're, they're in, in the nazi woods. occupied areas europe. exactly yeah. <laughs> right so but they're they're basically this guerrilla team that's moving through the woods uh covertly and stealthily to identify german troops I- isolate them and kill them their intros are really fun because you have this great moment where they pause name on screen in big letters um and that's a great a great moment as well and i think it's like was that copied from something or did they invent that i don't remember what order I, I everything's a reference to something like right. uh, yeah yeah Kanye doesn't compose music he remixes them and Tarantino is <laughs> the same way like yes. everything everything is from something else but yeah the Hugo Stieglitz uh, montage is uh, it, one of the best things in the movie we get our <laughs> first uh, Sam Jackson narration yes. uh, talking about his origin story of having been uh, a turncoat on the Nazis and arrested after killing fourteen Nazi officers finding mm-hmm. them in their bed and choking them with his fist or stabbing them through a pillow it's and he is then recruited by the bastards to go pro, as Aldo puts it. Um, so we meet him. We meet Wiki, who's the translator who got the fuck out of uh, Munich while the getting was good. Right, yeah, right. They, they're, they're treating this like a baseball roster. We're being yes. introduced to the 94 Bulls. Uh, <laughs> like the, as, as they're just in this interrogation with this German officer who ends up dying proudly for his country after refusing to give up German secrets. Uh, but but he, who's but he the killed guy, by? Uh, he is killed... <laughs> Bye. The bear I'm gonna make Jesse say it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so yeah, there there's some phrases that I'm not like, completely comfortable saying because I haven't earned the right. Uh, but no, he is killed by Eli Roth as the bear Jew. He's beaten to death with a baseball bat. Um, the, the this is 
I, I'll get caught up every couple of seconds thinking about how good the dialogue is in this movie. <laughs> just like, like, cousin business is a booming. It's the best. There's so much attention and detail and like, they're just fucking about in the woods. They're just yes. having fun with language out there. These are, this is sort of a like, boys out in the woods, hanging yeah. out with each other, doing their thing. <laughs> yeah, guys you don't really dudes. expect the thing to be killing Nazis, but that's what it is in this movie. And you're like, all right, I'm on board with that. Um, That's right. <laughs> they they earn your uh, they earn your like very quickly um, because it's a it's a, a motive we can all sort of get behind there. That's exactly right. <laughs> we don't need to know much more about these human beings. They're but they're they're on the right side of history. They're killing Nazis. And exactly. They, like, that 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 I think is aged particularly well. I think the like the view of. Uh, fascist far right politics uh, for young people basically is fuck Nazis. <laughs> That's like, yes. we we've learned the lesson right. of history. <laughs> there, there doesn't need to be a conversation about this. Fuck Nazis, uh, and that's this very simple viewpoint that the bastards have. It's like mm-hmm. Nazi ain't got no humanity. We're gonna kill them, <laughs> scalp them. We we want to yeah. we we want to treat them like invaders that they are. So oh yes, yeah, so we gosh. we've met the crew. We've not we've learned everything we need to know about them in extremely short, quick detail. And they're able to divine uh, where <laughs> where their next rendezvous point is in in their journey towards killing Hitler. Yep, yep. Uh, and they get it because the, while the first guy is willing to die for his country, yeah, um, that's right. the, the guy behind him <laughs> is shaking in his boots and is not yeah. willing to do the same. Yeah, but, Private Butts is a little bit a little bit smarter than uh, the first guy. Yeah. Also, just a brilliant moment in writing, just naming him Private, <laughs> Private Butts. Butts. Yeah, we're having um, fun here, pal. We're having fun. Yeah, establishing again <laughs> these moments of of joy. Um, <laughs> and so, anyways, but then they're like interrogating this guy, and he they say, "Well, where are they?" He quickly points, like very, yeah. very good uh, moment of comedy there, right here. Yeah, they're the, right here. Go kill them. Go ahead. The, do your thing. The shots of the tennis match moving between Private Butts and Wiki translating and Aldo Rain, <laughs> just like like ping ponging the camera yes. back and forth between them as he's spilling every fucking secret. <laughs> he can think of yes he's Solid. putting his sauerkraut uh sandwich licking finger down on the map and pointing out his his comrades and uh, then um you know they put their their mark on him because i think one of the goals of the inglorious bastards is to make sure that any nazi that walks free that's right is is marked as a nazi forever another they can never take off their uniform yeah another interesting concept how do you <laughs> how do you how do you receive reparation for doing some terrible things in your past? And yep. for them, one of the ways that they are going to get that is by wearing it on their sleeve forever. Um, and right. I, it's, it's a, I mean, it's poetic. <laughs> Yeah, that that's some that's some uh, storytelling ass writing there. So yeah, the <laughs> bastards know that a lot of their power comes from their mystique and from the folk tales that the German soldiers are left to tell about them. So you always leave someone alive, but they they make sure that I mean, imagine imagine that fate as mm-hmm. a maybe even a remorseful Nazi. Exactly. Uh, yeah. To never never escape it, and it that's. That's fairy tale writing too, because mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. we know what happened to the Nazis. They fled to Argentina, and they eventually birthed Anya Taylor Joy. So thank you for that. Parody. Uh, they they fled to Brazil. They they were folded into the CIA. They were folded into Operation Paperclip. They they went on to design the the our rocket systems for the Apollo missions. Like the like justice doesn't happen in the world the no. way it happens in this movie.
movie. So to think of even one Nazi not being able to escape under the shadow no matter where he goes, very satisfying shit. Somewhat rewarding for sure. Yes, yes, Um, yes. yes. I think the other other moment that's established here is the, the bastards wanting... Wanting people to fear them. We are coming oh, yeah. to hear us roar. And that <laughs> that is also just, you know, setting up some fun for the future here. That's exactly right. <laughs> the Nazi will talk about us. The Nazi will fear us. So <laughs> uh, we've met the gang. The boys are back in town. We have all our friends together, our nice, lovely friends. Uh, and then it's, we're, it's time for a German night in Paris, my friend. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. We, we reconnect, reconnect on the on the city streets uh, in Paris with Shoshana Dreyfus, now, now a matured woman in her 20s, who is the proprietor of this lovely boutique theater in the heart of Paris. Cinema? Uh, Cinema, that's right. Uh, and we see a little fun little Easter egg. She's taking down the letters for the uh, the, the White Terror of Pitzpalu, uh, which ties into a cover story that one of our main characters will use later on in the story. But she's approached by, uh, uh, unbeknownst to her, uh, German war hero and film star, Frederick Zoller. Uh, <laughs> what do you make of this, bud? Walk us through it. Well, you know, I have my thoughts, but I would love to hear your thoughts. <laughs> she she threw it right back at me, folks. Okay, I was gonna take a sip of water and everything. So mm, too bad. Well, I, I love it. So we we <laughs> Shoshana is the main character of this movie. Yes, she, it's Shoshana's story, and uh, Melanie Laurent, who is another one I had never heard of before, was not familiar with her at all. Uh, gives the best performance of the movie, and the far like the subtlest. Um, Definitely. I think, she she's almost transported from another movie. Um, and I think I wouldn't have liked it as much if she wasn't able to have her moments of joy and her moments of victory. And she ends up, you know, saving the day at the end. Uh, but she's just a revelation. She's the best. And she's this victim of the the greatest trauma one can imagine can happen right next to them. She's our family ever brutally happened. murdered. Yeah. Uh, didn't have time to grieve her family who were slaughtered Literally because she had, had to, to escape. Um, and now she's she's kind of thriving in her way. She uh, reconnected with her aunt, um, who was, I could think, living safely as a Gentile in France, uh, and inherited this theater. She has a really hot boyfriend, Marcel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's just running this theater, smoking her cigarettes in cafes, being hot as hell, wearing cool hats. Uh, but her world is disrupted when a, a, a pesky, horny Nazi uh, won't leave her alone outside of her theater. So Frederick Zoller, who turns out to be uh, the, uh, the the German Sergeant York, um, war hero because he was trapped in a, an eagle's <laughs> nest for three days, killed something like 250 American soldiers, um, <laughs> f- becomes infatuated with Shoshana. Um, and throughout the movie, Frederick is living out this romantic comedy in his head where he yes. thinks that she is smitten as well and doesn't know because of his largesse and influence with the German military um, and he can get whatever he wants without much pushback at all uh that that he is falling gradually in love with this what he thinks is a is a french gentile in paris <laughs> but there what there's the i think this moment is it's beautiful in a way because it's a, it's a meet cute you know he finds her yeah, exactly yeah. on a on a ladder um a beautiful woman outside of a theater like it is it is a genuine hollywood made moment in yeah. that sense um because who wouldn't be swept off their feet by yeah. by that right so uh what's what's ultimately incredibly rewarding is she she has obviously found a way to forge papers and oh, live yeah. live the way that she's been living right under their nose the entire time um which is also um 
I think I think an interesting story in and of itself because that happened to probably many Jews um, that they were they were hiding right there in plain sight yeah. in in um, in in hopes to never be discovered. Um, all the while living with the guilt that their their people are yeah. being rounded up, that they, the the survivors' guilt must be overwhelming. So Shoshana has been kind of forged in the crucible of all of that. Yes. That's, uh, that's what makes yes. her her. Um, but yeah, Frederick follows her to a cafe the uh, the next day or so. On tells her his entire story. Uh, she realizes how famous he is because all the, all, the, recognizing all, the, him. all the silly little Nazis keep coming over and Heil <laughs> Hitler and him and like like fawning over him. Uh, uh, and then eventually, she is summoned from her theater uh, to a very special lunch with the propaganda minister of the Nazi army, Joseph Goebbels. Um, <laughs> Joseph Goebbels has become aware through his friendship with Frederick Zoller and championing of their film. Stolz to Nation, uh, that there's this charming little cinema in the heart of Paris where they can possibly hold the premiere, the French premiere at least, of their new film. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, man? Be- like, uh, okay, we'll get to the best scene in the movie soon enough. Okay. Second okay. best scene in the movie? Second best? Maybe? Yeah, I, I would give it that. I think there's so many different layers to it, right? There's obviously the politics of the inner German um, uh, ranking system yes, of course, there. Yeah. So, like, that's kind of interesting and fascinating to play out. Um, and then you see sort of this, like, quote-unquote love story unfolding. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all the while, and I think to your point and the credit I will give um, uh, her as well, is Shrasana in this moment is just deadpan the entire time. Because um, there's nothing that she can do. She has no power in this moment at all, besides mm-hmm. the fact that if this works, she can enact a plan. Um, but, uh, you know, may- maybe she doesn't know this in this moment or maybe she hasn't started plotting that yet. Um, yeah. But uh, it's it's interesting because a lot happens to her in this oh, scene. Yeah. Um, and there's very little reaction on her face, but the performance is pretty amazing. It's incredible because, you know, she has 20 secrets that yes. would absolutely lead to her demise if mm-hmm. any one of those slipped out. So she cannot understand a single word any of them are saying. <laughs> she's meeting someone she knows. She knows who Joseph Goebbels is. Yep. Um, so, she, yeah, she's a film buff. She knows exactly who that is. Uh, she's <laughs> she's drawing conclusions about Goebbels' translator and their relationship and dynamic. Uh, should be said oh. the translator. <laughs> and ahead, don't don't we also learn at this point that the the Germans in this time, not to collectively label them here, were so narcissistic to make movies about their yeah. war and cast the actual people who did yeah. those deeds, like. Well, Jesse, this is this is uh, kind of a double joke because when I mentioned that he was the German Sergeant York earlier, I'm talking about Audie Murphy. Audie Murphy, the film star from America, was a war hero in World War II and the star of many propaganda films for the American war effort after his travails in Europe. So yeah, he's kind of like it, it's he's double lacing this joke and he's yes. reflecting it back and, on and Germany. To yeah. be fair, no country is safe from those jokes. We no, of course not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we're all we're, not, we're, not. we're all narcissistic enough to to cast our own war heroes. In our own we are movies. we are loyal against the Nazis. <laughs> that, that, that is our that is our allegiance in this movie. That's um, it. But yeah, there, there's a lot of meta like film history jokes happening yes, behind yeah, the scenes. Yes, yeah, that's there, great. I love that. But but basically, Frederick Zoller is in the process of trying to convince Goebbels to host the premiere at this theater um, when the 
your heart leaves your body uh, because in walks Hans Landa and we get the, the super metal drums and the soundtrack changes. And it's just uh, like, I, I remember feeling that for the first time in the theater and it got me again when I watched it last night, by the way, just like your soul leaves your body. Yes. The Reaper has come to collect his due or so we, we must think at this time. Uh, but Hans insists on kind of questioning Shoshana as the security chief of the Nazis to make sure it's going to be a safe and, and worthy venue for this great Germanic event. Um, but they sit down for, for a strudel. And this is the most terrifying scene in almost any movie. Shoshana is there, finally allowed to speak French with someone, but it's the it's the man who killed her family. Uh, uh, she does not want this premiere to happen at her theater. She doesn't want to be in this conversation. She doesn't know whether or not he recognizes her. Exactly. I, oh, okay, let's stop there. Do yes. you think he does? So that was going to be my question for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I genuinely think that he does not. Otherwise, yeah. okay, so I'm, I'm so torn. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm so torn because like- So am I. I, I feel like he doesn't. Otherwise, why wouldn't he have done something about it then? Why would he have let this mm-hmm. whole plot play out? And then um, on the flip side, he does that that very villain thing where he's like, oh, I had one more thing I was going to ask you. Uh-huh. But uh-huh. I have now forgotten what <laughs> uh-huh. it was. Which is like, uh, as an audience, <laughs> you're like... <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um, and so in that moment, you question. So I genuinely don't think so. I think it's, I think it's used as a device there, or, or maybe yeah. he's even using it as a device in some way, uh, uh, the character it, itself. But Of course. I, I, I don't think it matters at the end of the day. Yeah, sure. I think I, I'm pretty convinced that he does. And I think, uh, to your point, why, if he knows, why wouldn't he have stopped the whole, uh, the whole charade? I think because he doesn't give a shit. I think we find at the end of the movie, like he's good point. Good point. He's not a Nazi in spirit. He's a sociopath. Like he's a monster. He's out. He's (laughs) He's out for number one. Serial killer. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) He found an opportunity to kill people sanctioned by the government. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, uh, so I I mean, interesting, interesting theory there. Like I I would Uh buy that as well. I think. Uh I think if we're looking at Hans Landa as just a villain and and not not holding him to anything um uh, or any uh, or, or any group of people he is just evil so in that case why not play with this woman here who he right. knows is hiding he's having fun he orders her a glass of milk jesse yeah he specifically oh, yeah. pauses i'm to sold order a glass of i'm milk. sold at this right? point so he knows because i, I think <laughs> i think in that moment too i was like oh the milk you know like there there must be something there and so i yeah yeah i'm sold i'm sold I, i'm knows. sold that he's that he's been keeping tabs on her ever since she left the farmhouse he's known every step she's taken along the way and he's been kind of toying with her mm. um and i i the reason i i I, I think the reason I believe that from probably the first time I viewed it was he tells he, he has the analogy of uh, the rat and the squirrel uh, when he's talking to Lapidide. He shares the analogy that like like the 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 world is a hostile place for a rat. Squirrels are identical. They're a little bit cuter because of the tail, but they're basically the same animal. Um, he doesn't have anything against the Jews. He's not prejudiced in the way that the Nazi army is. He doesn't feel like the Jews or that the Western world will take down the glory of Deutschland. He doesn't have those views. He's not a sincere Nazi. He's a sincere monster. And mm. he sees the chaos of the war Ugh, as a ladder. He's I climbing love, that ladder. I love a fucking villain, dude. I'm like, too, but they're the best. How, like, how do you not love to, like, dig into the, like, psychology of a uh-huh. sociopath? You know, like... 
I mean, I, I don't know what that says about me, but like, it's fascinating. Uh, it says, you're not alone there, buddy. Like, like there, there, there is currently a, a second Silence of the Lambs TV show on the air that's quite successful. I think people people love this shit. There's an there's an innate part of like the human psyche that really responds to this. But what I think I love about this particular villain and like a movie like this because like you know I don't I'm not like a big murder mystery person. It's not my scene because I'm genuinely terrified of being murdered. You're a coward. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. yeah. um, <laughs> I'm scared of everything. Um, but there's something like this is why I love Othello so much because Iago is the best character yeah. in the whole damn of thing. Course. You of know, and 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 like you just dig into this person, and I think even now just talking about him, and obviously we've talked about him the most. He's obviously the leading role in this sure. in this movie. Um, it's so well done because there's so many different layers. There's like this layer that we're talking about, the sociopath layer. There's this Nazi layer. Like, okay, so yeah. he's part of the worst group of humans that have ever walked the earth, you <laughs> of know? Of course. And then, um, and then there's just like, he's a bad person. Um, yeah. But there's something about him. There's something about the way Christoph Waltz plays him. There's something right. about it that you fucking like because it's so uh -huh. fascinating to watch well it's, um, it's competency porn as well so i think people really love watching people who are good at their jobs yeah um it could be any job at all but there's yeah, something very very compelling about like if this person was really good at building canoes um but also <laughs> he was a murderer that would that's the same character so like you know i yeah I think, I like I love that the film is constantly able to to one up how omnipresent he is and how omniscient Hans Landa is. He uh -huh. speaks every fucking language. He knows everything <laughs> that's going on. He's twenty steps ahead of everybody. That's always thrilling. And if you're gonna make a villain, you might as well. But I think I think yeah, Tarantino is not interested in debating the merits of German national socialism and right, the, uh, right. the, the viewpoint of the Nazis. He He's interested in the kind of person who would profit from this war. And um, it would... is this type of crazy person yes, that yes. could. Yes, it's so good. <laughs> That's right. So so I, I think he knows. I think Hans Landa is playing this elaborate game, and I think he pulled her deliberately aside. He may have known they were meeting with this young girl cinema owner. He may have heard that and come to the restaurant on purpose and surprised mm -hmm. them so that he could have the conversation with her. Uh -huh. Uh, but God. but anyway, like during the scene, we get the attendez la crème, which is, I think about all the time. I, I think about wait for the cream a little bit. We get Tarantino's uh, something he does every movie, which is his loving, beautifully photographed food shots. Uh, <laughs> we have so the funny. the cheese cheeseburger in Pulp Fiction. We have the beer in Django Unchained, etc. And the, and in this one, we have this beautiful strudel and whipped cream that Londa devours, picks the raisin out of, and chews on. And we get the moment of Shoshana tasting the pastry, which is my favorite, 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 favorite moment. In Why? The Why do you others. love that moment? Because how she's playing it. So she is forced. She's... She's begrudgingly taking the bite of the pastry at first, and he makes her wait for it. She's like, I don't want to fucking be here. I'm going to die. I hate this shit so much. And then she finally takes the bite, and you see her eyes just go, ooh. It's pretty good, pretty good, pretty good strudel. And then she's right back into the terror. It, it's it, it's really lovely. It's so dumb, and I and I think I think about that moment a lot. Anyway, Ugh. pretty good strudel. Uh, so so what's next? Let me let me uh, reference the note real quick. Uh, I mean, I'm just see. gonna pause for a moment and just say uh -huh. like I think in this one conversation in this one scene, I've convinced myself that this is such a great movie. <laughs> this is I best. can't yeah. get over it. Like. Uh -huh. 
like I'm thinking about like we, we both talked about how our dad's like we're not even halfway through like we no, still have huge not, not moments yeah. left <laughs> I'm thinking about my dad watching these movies and thinking oh god like Hitler's such a bad guy like yeah you know mean. like all of this <laughs> stuff and like this movie is so like if I'm gonna watch a movie about World War II, <laughs> I'm gonna watch this movie <laughs> because right. like we all studied the books, we all know what happened. We don't really need to relive. No. I mean, we should honor it. We don't really need to relive it um, in the sense that like and put, putting ourselves through that trauma. Like I feel the same way about like movies that come out around 9/11. You know, like oh, gosh, like we still all yep. have a collective trauma around that. We don't need to relive the trauma over and over again to feel right. something for it um i, I mean and, and that's obviously my opinion but i definitely feel feel that and whenever i'm like sitting around the tv around september 11th and they're like oh this new documentary and mm, this new angle yeah. and this new thing like you could really go down a rabbit hole here but i think what's so great about this movie is like <laughs> as we talked about at the beginning like this reclaiming of a fascinating moment in our history that is terrible and atrocious and a study of human nature about our wielding our power over one another and just taking a whole different take on oh it's just so good i'm just gonna cry you're completely right and i think like that this movie takes into assumption and takes for granted that we all know the war was bad and that the nazis were bad yes Uh, it's very it's like okay that's our starting premise everyone (laughs) naturally understands this of course and we're this many years out of it this many decades and generations out of the war that now it came time to like have fun with it Mm -hmm, it, like mm -hmm. that that's a fucked thing to say no but Um, yeah there's something there i think right and and then and then which is probably and is confirmed part of the movie's critique yeah is that did you take it too far and then you know it's a valid question it's a perfectly fair critique and it should be said this movie was pretty controversial yeah um that like like i i completely understand and empathize with the objections to the movie it is a non-jewish person telling the story of jewish triumph against the nazis it is not his place to make the movie it's not his place to make fucking Django. certainly (laughs) exactly Um, great call (laughs) like that that's not the point tarantino is a presumptuous filmmaker and he and he's audacious in that and irreverent and he knows it and he doesn't care that anybody has an opinion about that no and like i think like far like i'm sure he'd be the first to say i know this is disrespectful i i understand that it is not my place to do it um i am the most privileged person to have ever walked the earth i've been famous (laughs) since i was 24 years old and very rich the entire time (laughs) um but nevertheless uh if anybody besides him had 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 the the gumption or the the uh, what is it uh, a privilege like the internalized privilege to have taken on this project they would not have made it successful because they're not as good as he is at filmmaking yes yes um, like their their concerns are not the same it wouldn't have been shot as beautifully it wouldn't have been acted as beautifully it wouldn't have been written as densely and beautifully and comically as it was here so yeah. he's it's maybe almost, the person that can get away with it it's almost like a good comedian you know if you if you yeah. tell the joke funnily enough yeah. You know, regardless of whether it's your joke to tell, 
people, yes. people might laugh at it, you know? That's it. And, um, there, and there's something like satisfying about just that premise right there. Mm-hmm. Like he got away with it. He yeah. fucking did it. Yeah. Um, um, I'm yeah. looking at, I'm looking at the cast before we move on to the next scene Go here. And I just like connected some dots in my head here. So I'm looking at Diane Kruger's face and oh, yeah. she is in, um, what is it? National Treasure. National right? Treasure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so I just connected that in my Jesse head. Movie. Yeah. yeah. I love that movie. I do. <laughs> freaking love it um so stupid but i love it anyways um but her face i've been trying to figure out who diane kruger reminds me of this whole time yeah and it's um it's not her in another movie but she reminds me of someone and the person that she reminds me of is Uh the chick from indiana jones and the last crusade yes yes and i'm like i'm just connecting allison duty yes allison duty another nazi i don't i don't think that's an accident i think uh the fact that she was cast as this perfect uh uh aryan like dream person exactly like like the hitler dream actress it's like Mm -hmm. if you're gonna if you're gonna have a german spy actress who's extraordinarily famous she's got to be in the good graces of the of the fuhrer enough to get away with this so no that's that that's on purpose 100 (laughs) um anyways on to the next we have spent too much time there but that was incredibly rewarding Uh to talk about well yeah one last thing before we move on to operation kino the best part of the movie and my like (laughs) my favorite subsection uh like shoshana apparently decides on the way home from her Mm. fateful dessert with uh londa that she is going to uh, use her film canisters and we learned from uh sam jackson's second narration that uh, nitrate film is very flammable that she's gonna lock the nazis in in her theater and burn the shit down that moment is fantastic when they're explaining how flammable that film is. The best. You can't get on the you can't get on the trolley car with that flame, man. It's gonna burn up. Yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, she yeah, she she confides in her lover and Marcel that they are going to burn down the theater. She's come up with her conspiracy, and we're left at that, and we transition. To also, Operation Kino. Just oh, okay. to give We're Marcel yeah, yeah. just a, a quick moment here, like <laughs> uh-huh. what a what a powerful character. Uh, you know, obviously he's he's representing uh, a human uh-huh. um, that is obviously very very discriminated against, and next to another uh-huh. human who is a woman and a Jew. And I think like the representation there is really fascinating and like a, an interesting plot point that you know we don't need to dive too deep into necessarily, but I just think it's a powerful illustration i guess yeah and and you could like yeah props to jackie ito he gives a lot of uh of pathos with like three lines of dialogue in this fucking movie yeah um and and you can kind of like envision in your head even though it's not stated how they would have found one another and right, and what, right. like the foundation of right. what their love for each other means to them how exactly. they came together yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah, exactly. um okay. all right <laughs> Operation gotta, Kino. That's right, baby. So we began Operation Kino in this gigantic, gigantic drawing room, this huge study. And through the doors walks <laughs> the biggest fucking movie star you've ever seen in your goddamn life. We have Michael Fassbender, the first time I ever saw this human being, walking through these enormous doors, and Lieutenant Archie Hickox reporting for duty. Let's go! <laughs> We're like, 
like, who are you? But I don't know who you are, but I want to be a part of whatever you're a part of. <laughs> yeah, that was my reaction. Like, who's this fucking guy? Where did he come from? But yeah, we meet Lieutenant Archie Hickox, who is the perfect man for the job. Uh, he is, uh, well, ba- basically British Army Special Services. Uh, he is recruited as a bilingual German-English speaker and film critic uh, to go on this undercover mission to meet Bridget von Hammersmark at La Louisiane Tavern in Paris to plan their infiltration of a nation's pride film premiere uh, at Shoshana's theater. Uh, but we, we have this weird ass little scene in introduction with uh, Mike Myers as uh, like British command. Uh, General Ed Finnick. That's right. <laughs> Ed Finnick. Thank you very much. This is going to drive me crazy. <laughs> Under like 20 layers of prosthetics that are so fucking stupid and, and probably and took eight hours. You yeah. don't even ever see it up close. <laughs> No, you don't. He's 20 feet away. This is the biggest room that's ever been built. Uh, and he, he, he asked uh, Archie to go over to the, the bars in the Globe to make himself a scotch and water. Uh, uh, he, he takes it neat, no junk in it. And then who's sitting at the piano, bud? Who's out there in the corner? Sir Winston Churchill. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, so Archie states his bona fides. He was a film critic. Uh, uh, basically... <laughs> This is the biggest, like, swinging dick performance in the history of film. Just like, this is a movie star. This is, this is Steve McQueen. This is the best. Uh, he's, he's James Bond. He, he, he's James Bond of the scene. Um, but he's briefed on what their mission is. It's to meet famous German film actress uh, Bridget von Hammersmark at this small... Uh, the small pub in Paris, uh, alongside some members of the American Fighting Force and Glorious Bastards, the German-speaking members of this team, of course. Um, so after the, the the beautiful introduction, Operation Kino, uh, we reconnect with the Bastards very briefly. There's something famous oh, about the guy who plays Winston Churchill. He he was retired. He's an Australian actor. Oh, um, okay, do you okay, have the cast list pulled up? Because I, I have really, it, but Winston I is the only I couldn't one remember. not on it. Hold on, let me let me look. Oh, Rod. T- Taylor, Rod Taylor. Um, yeah, he had been mm. retired for some time. He passed away in 2015. So this is one of his last performances. It's his last performance. It's his last. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He, he was just he was just out in the outback drinking beer, and he pulled him off the couch out of retirement. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, you don't need to. I mean, obviously, there's been many great performances of Winston Churchill, but <laughs> uh-huh. you don't really need to do a lot. You just got to kind of put on that suit and put a cigar in your mouth, and that's right. Have a steak every night for dinner, and you you've done it. Um, <laughs> Um, but like, it's a very recognizable character. You know exactly who that is. Um, uh, just a quick side note and recognition for what's his face that played Winston Churchill in The Crown. Um, oh, uh, uh, John Lithgow. John Lithgow. And I have to shout him out. I don't know why I'm taking us on this tangent, but I'm just going okay. I'm already started, so I'm going to go there. Um, just a great moment where an American got to reclaim a British role, because I feel like that's always happening in the other direction. So, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. The one time a Brit was not cast for every part in a movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that said, British actors usually do it better, so I can completely understand why that happens but it, generally. But but it's also a symptom like, yeah, the modern controversy is that if you see a black actor in a modern movie, they're probably <laughs> from England because there's the ingrained uh, like uh, like classism of the theater class being more prepared than like an American kid to play an American black person. <laughs> anyway, so that, that we was digress. a digression, wasn't it? That was fun. <laughs> Sorry, okay. I took us there. <laughs> <laughs> so... 
So we find ourselves uh, in the hideout of the bastards and uh, Hickox has just uh, uh, like relayed the plan to them. Uh, uh, Aldo Rain is not pleased to have his men go into a basement because of the natural dangers of fighting in a basement. Uh, but all the while, Hugo Stieglitz is in the back sharpening his Hitler youth knife, which is very poetic, uh, on the belt. Um but then we're in La Louisiane, and this is it. This is what it's all building towards for me. This is my favorite scene in the movie. This is the best short film I've ever seen. It's the fucking best. Um, it's so good. So- it has all the <laughs> makings of, like, what's the the tune that plays when the tumbleweed rolls by um, in the westerns, but... Oh, uh, I don't know. Oh, like, are you talking about the the good, the bad, and the ugly? The do you you Yeah, 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 yeah. All this, you know who composed that tune is Neo Morricone, who does most of the music for this movie. And by the way... I, I was I we have to give him a nod for a moment because like the opening music to this movie is excellent. Oh, the yeah. music throughout is poetic. Uh, it's really mm-hmm. well well executed. Um, like the song that's playing while the massacre is happening or just before uh-huh. I can't remember <laughs> is is just brilliant. Um, so yeah, a nod to him and all of the great music that he composed for this. Film. Yeah, we'll we'll come back to his composition. I think the one you're referring to is is Shoshana's faith, fateful meeting with uh, yes. Frederick Zoller near the end. Yes, like yes, a really yes. a particularly beautiful piece of music. Um, but yeah, we're we're in the La Louisiane Tavern. It becomes apparent almost immediately uh, because the first voices we hear here are in German, uh, that this is the wrong fucking night to have this meeting in this bar. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately and faithfully cannot be avoided. Uh, they've arranged to have their super secret spy meeting uh, in the bar in the same night that a group of German soldiers has been given the night off to celebrate the birth of Wilhelm's son, Maximilian. So we're basically, we're essentially in the midst of a bachelor party uh, happening. They're playing heads up. They're having a blast. Uh, <laughs> they, they're, they're sitting with this gorgeous movie star who happened to be in the bar and unbeknownst to us Dieter Heldstrom major of the SS is uh on his own in the very back um what do you make of this scene buddy what sticks out to you yeah what terrible combination of people that happened to be here this evening you know but it makes for an incredibly rewarding scene <laughs> Um, I loved, you know, this is actually just to, I haven't seen this movie in a long time. Um, I didn't, I didn't remember the scene. Like, isn't really? that weird? Like I didn't, I didn't remember it. I don't, and I can't remember the context in which I first watched this movie. I can't remember if I saw it in okay. the theater or not. Uh, I like, I can't remember. Sure. So it's obviously just been a while since I've seen it in general, but I, it I really kind of makes sense because yeah. it's, it's such a standalone thing. It stands on its own feet so independently of everything else that it does feel like the part that's maybe the most removed from Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, yeah, uh, it, yeah. I, and and so when I was watching the scene, I was like, wow, I don't I don't remember anything that happens here, um, or how significant it is. So uh, I was watching. Unfortunately, I I watched this movie in two parts because I went. Uh, uh-huh. I was watching this morning and I had to go to breakfast and I paused it right as um um uh right as the what's his face the the, the person who was there by himself who fucked Oh Dieter Hellstrom. Yeah, Hellstrom. right yeah, as yeah, he yeah. starts to get involved and I was like <gasps> oh. Oh, <no. laughs> so I had to pause it there and return to it there. Um but uh yeah they obviously intentional to have a really fucked up night uh at the in the basement here uh, at the bar. Mm-hmm. Um and it makes for a great combination of suspense and sort of joy and terrifiedness throughout. So like um 
you know, you're, you're in this moment of celebration because this guy's had a baby and he meets this movie star and she uh-huh. signs this napkin for him. <laughs> you're like, oh, how sweet. Uh, and then you know that these two are on a mission. And, yeah. and now um, the Bridget von Hammerstein, or Stein, or <laughs> Hammersmark. Yeah. Hammersmark, that one. <laughs> Some German name. Um, uh, she is a spy, like confirmed spy yeah. at this point. Yeah. We know that she uh, is a part of this conversation on purpose. Mm-hmm. So I guess I would love your take on breaking it down. Um, sure. Yeah. Take us through. Sure. Th- this is not like, okay, so there's a moment when they're touring the theater earlier mm-hmm. in the movie um, with, oh, oh it might, yes. might yeah, actually yeah, happen yeah. later, where Goebbels explodes at the mention of the name Lillian Harvey. Yes. Uh, Lillian Harvey was a real life Bridger von Hammersmark. She was a German film star who, uh, it, well, basically enabled Jewish refugees to escape Nazi Germany. Uh, she was a turncoat to the Nazis, essentially. So when he blows up about it, uh, this was a real phenomenon that happens. In every major war, there are, of course, spies that are double agents and some of them were quite high profile given that this was a world war uh, the scope and the caliber of well famous person that was involved in it such as your Audie Murphy's of the world uh, Elvis Presley would later go on to serve, serve in Vietnam etc so the, this is an example of something like that but but Bridget von Hammersmark played here by Diane Kruger an actor I also was not familiar with um, it just absolutely kills it. It's just yeah. giving this million watt movie star performance. She likes smoking, she likes drinking, and she likes ordering in restaurants. I'm like, same girl. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but but she has uh, joined this group of German soldiers on leave in their game of heads up. But eventually, she makes her way over to the bastards and Archie Hickox uh, for their for their formative meeting. And it's and it's Wilhelm who kind of screws everything up. The drunk dad, because uh, he comes over and ingratiates himself, asks for an autograph of Bridget von Hammer's mark and uh, kind of like in his stupor refuses to leave there's that great shot where he leaves and comes back and he says <laughs> and eventually it's uh, Archie Hickox losing his cool in reprimanding him undercover as an agent uh, telling him to leave the officer's table das ist ein and letting his accent slip and letting slip some of his like uh, like his like Western Europe like, like British speak come yeah. through yeah like almost like a Scottish hybrid German accent that he's doing there that eventually gets the attention of Dieter von Hellstrom who's in the back of the room enjoying his lovely boot of beer and listening to his record player and then it's just it's cursed from then on out it's doomed the mission's fucking over but we have this great scene of them playing heads up uh and it's in the scene that it's in this scene that uh tarantino shares his theory on the movie king kong he had shared it previous to this movie on fresh air with terry gross on npr years ago uh but he's had this long-standing theory he loves theorizing on movies uh that that king kong is a veiled story of african slaves being moved to america and the story of their plight in america um Man, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, the, everything about the scene is so fucking perfect. The dialogue is so perfect. Dieter Hellstrom is the best Nazi name that's ever been made. Uh, <laughs> All of the Nazi names in this movie. They're so good. Way. So good. Uh, but, yeah, like, we're this is a, a one-off little spy movie where the bomb's under mm-hmm. the table the entire time. We know exactly what the stakes are here. They're in a basement. They're cursed. They're doomed. It's just rotten luck. And eventually, Archie Hickox 
uh, after having covered for his accent really remarkably. Yeah. Like the Pitspalu story, like if you watch this movie, you'll see my brother. He was so handsome. He's skiing down the mountain. We're from a very particular region of Germany <laughs> that's a mountain town. It's kind of cloistered. So we have this weird voice. And 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 uh, von Hammersmark is selling it. And then Till Schweiger and the guy who plays Vicky. Uh, 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 they're, they're doing great work here. Uh, but eventually the game is given away when when Hickox asks for three glasses. Um, he <laughs> he lets slip that he is not German. Um, and we're not told what the mistake was. We just feel the shift. And suddenly Hellstrom says he's sick of the games and lets it know, be known that he has a gun pointed at his testicles. That's amazing. <laughs> Yes, I like that's the part that's really interesting. Obviously, they have the accent moment, and then that it is fascinating that they don't tell us what the mistake was. I'm sure if you if you are familiar, you might know. So if you know, like let us know on Instagram or something. <laughs> yeah, leave it in the comments. No, no, uh, it, it's eventually revealed that he he put his uh, his he he gestured for three that's with his right. hand, the American fashion and not that's the German right, fashion, right. and that's what they gave the game away. But um, the 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 turn. Uh, the turn from we're keeping up this charade and over German soldiers, you're, you're none the wiser, to, well, if, if this is it, old boy, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking the kings. That's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's the best. That's the best. That's, yep. what, that's why movies were created. This is the best movie ever made. Well, if this is it, old boy, I hope you don't mind if I go out speaking the kings. Yes, um, yes, I agree. But eventually they have to say Alvita Zane to their Nazi balls. Um there's this <laughs> all cataclysm- of them say <laughs> all of them. Are <laughs> and uh, another great moment here because you're kind of like well what the fuck is gonna happen then um how is this gonna play out um are they gonna die yep. you know are the good guys gonna die here and well, another nod to this movie like the good guys are not safe this is not a this is not a happy nope. bow uh movie um, you got to sacrifice for, for figuring this out, you know, and that the scene is that. Yeah. If you want to make a tomlet, you got to break some Greg's. Uh, so yeah, they all <laughs> there. It goes from like this extraordinarily slow build of a scene that's both funny and extraordinarily tense to like the most like schizophrenic murder tableau <laughs> that's ever been made. <laughs> Everyone's getting shot. Uh, the, Eric, the bar owner is dead. His daughter is dead. All the German soldiers are dead with the exception of Wilhelm, um, who is left in kind of a Mexican standoff between him. Uh, we don't know it, but Bridget as well. And the bastards. Uh, <laughs> um, Wilhelm makes a final plea saying my, my son was just born. Uh, this is a joyous night for me. I didn't come here to kill anybody. Uh, like it, it's not my fault. They started shooting this place up. Please spare me. I just want to go home to my son. Uh, and uh, Von Hammersmark. So much says, irony hey, in <laughs> yeah, that moment exactly. alone. Exactly. But yes, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's fucked, but I feel for him. His yeah. son, Maximilian is there with his mom. Like he just wants to go home and see him. Uh, and Von Hammersmark says, no, fuck you, Nazi, and kills him. It's great. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> then we're in the, the veterinarian's office. Um <laughs> No, now it's all silly times now. The rest of the movie is the silliest shit. Uh, we're just in our Looney Tunes hour. As soon as he starts poking his finger in her bullet hole in her leg. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> Which, yeah, like, credit to a woman or anyone who yeah. can have that much tolerance for pain. Because, like, you would have passed out already. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, so she, she's suffering quite a lot. But uh, she's able to convince Aldo that what happened in the bar was not a, a devious plot on her part. It was a tragic cosmic accident. Exactly. It was Which it mistake. was. <laughs> exactly. And because she is spared, she's able to come up with this plan. She's able to pivot her plan, because originally it was to have the German-speaking bastards uh, pretend to be uh, uh, like German filmmakers uh, with whom she is friends and escort her to the movie premiere. She's now left with the scrubs on the bastards team. She's now left with the purely American Brooklyn-accented shit bastards who have to... Those that cannot speak German. <laughs> That's right. Right. And maybe uh, some Italian. Yeah, they got they got a little Italian in there. It's pretty good. Uh, so, so I love it they, when what's his face Donahue says, "Well, we might know some Italian. I don't know." Like, <laughs> well, I speak the most Italian, so I'll be your escort. Donovan speaks second most, so he'll be your Italian cameraman. Omar third most, so he'll be Donnie's assistant. I don't speak Italian. Like I said, third best. Just keep your fucking mouth shut. Back, why don't you start practicing right now? So they, they, they pivot. They deal with ambiguity. Uh, they, 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 they show agility on the fly. These are real good leadership skills. But they come up with a new plan, which is rather than posing as German filmmakers, let's make them Italian. Mm. Von Hammersmark attests that Germans don't have a good ear for Italian. There's not a lot of cross-population there. We might be able to get away with it. You walk through the door with confidence, act like you belong there. We might get away with it. And then it's time for chapter five, the mm. final chapter of our movie. Revenge of the Giant Face. So, you want to take us through this one? Nope. You'll okay, do it better. Cool. So, no, well, I'm, I'll do it uh, longer, certainly. <laughs> um, I, I swear this, in, this episode has an end. Uh, but we start with Shoshana in the window. We get to see our favorite girl again. Uh, our, our beautiful friend Shoshana Ugh. is framed by this gorgeous Doctor Strange window to the strains of David Bowie's Cat People, uh, the only, like, pop song yes. needle drop in the movie. Uh, and we follow her. Like, Tarantino just flexing at this point. He's just fucking around. Oh, we my have God. This, like, the scene is so beautiful. <laughs> we have this Wes Anderson <laughs> overhead shot of the little diary drama that is the cinema we're following her uh, put her lipstick on and her war paint on and get looking all beautiful in her red dress and her little veil that comes with jesse's doing the veil right now beautiful <laughs> you know she pulls a little funeral veil over her eyes because she is about to witness an execution Hot. damn i love a woman getting ready Ooh. for revenge <laughs> yeah that, see that's why like this this movie's perfect because you take the time to show like a pretty lady putting her makeup on it's the best <laughs> so we follow her downstairs and we're introduced uh to this massive crowd of the most powerful, powerful. Nazis in the war. <laughs> we, we have propaganda minister, war minister. We have the heads, head generals. We got everybody. We got the Fuhrer. And they're all mingling and talking and having a grand old time tripping the light fantastique at the cinema. So it's at this point that Shoshana is coaching Marcel through the real breaks. Of course, this is Tarantino, so it all revolves around the magic of movie making because mm. uh, he's a fucking nerd. Uh, but she's talking like, okay, at this reel, we do this. At this reel, it pops off. At this reel, I'm probably dead. I love you forever. Uh, <laughs> but, but then we segue in to a conversation uh, between the bastards, now beautifully dressed in their white tuxedos and Bridget von Hammersmark, who are confronted by whom? Uh, what's his face? 
Christopher Waltz. Christoph Waltz. <laughs> okay, that's right. That's right. Christopher Waltz. The one with friend. the German sounding name. <laughs> yeah, that's um, right. Hans Landa. Yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, by the way, Hans Landa, we forgot to mention, also found the napkin of what's her face. Oh, that's right. You're right. Okay, I didn't even use my own notes. So yeah, Hans Landa has been back to La Louisiane. He's found the the autographed napkin with the lipstick, a lipstick kiss. And now he knows that if on Hammer's Mark is connected to this plot. Yeah. Correct. So at this point, you know, he's trying to get her alone. He's having this um, somewhat hilarious conversation where she's wearing her casted high-heeled yeah. shoe. And <laughs> she um, is introducing her Italian filmmaker friends. <laughs> and you-, you hear them all do their little accent. And you're like, come on, Brad Pitt, please say something. Please say something. And you're like, come on, do it, do it, do it, do it. Because uh, you know it's going to be terrible. But And we'll, we'll, we'll jump forward just a moment just to say you get it. And it's really good. Uh, what does he say? <laughs> he says bonjourno. Uh, so Nobody he- says something at the end. Or or well, no, uh, or something like Arrivederci. that. Arrivederci. Arrivederci. <laughs> so so the, the sequence of events was like we we're still on Tinder hooks because we don't know if this plan is going to work. Yeah. Um, but the suspense <laughs> now is 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 it's growing. It's boiling over. It's about to boil over. So like like we're confronted by Hans Landa, and every time it's just he's like he's he's death incarnate. Like he's just, it's just the, Grim the Reaper. most terrifying presence. He's the Grim Reaper come to collect. Um and then we don't know how well the plan is gonna work. And the first thing we hear after this really beautiful introduction by Von Hammersmark with their roles and everything t- Brad Pitt says Bongiorno and <laughs> It, that's the hardest I've ever heard a theater laugh before in my life. Because <laughs> they're like, oh, they're fucked. This is <laughs> hilarious. Like, it's so much worse you can imagine. And fun fact from behind the scenes, Tarantino thought he was going to pull that off a little bit better. He didn't write it as like he a heavily accented buongiorno. He thought, well, maybe we'll let him actually speak pretty good Italian and maybe get away with it for a second. But it's just such this relief. We're introduced to Antonio Margariti, Dominic DeCoco, and uh, Antonio Gorlami, I think is uh, Brad Pitt's name. Uh-huh. Uh, they let them do the hands, Jesse. I wish I'd <laughs> turn my camera on for this reason. They let them do the chef's kiss hands. Uh, <laughs> Dominic DeCoco. Uh, <laughs> and we're given our final uh, Han surprise, which is, of course, he speaks elaborate, beautiful Italian. Uh-huh. Of, co- uh-huh. of course. Language of is power. Of course he does. <laughs> That's it. So he's the most connected person on earth. Uh, and after their their introductions, uh, Hans summons von Hammersmark into his uh, private study for a private conversation. <clears throat> not good. Not not a not great. Good. Not great. Doesn't end well here. Um, I think you can all assume, like going into that room, you know exactly what's going to happen. It's not going to end well. We have our Cinderella moment. Uh huh. <laughs> Where he confirms. Well, one could call it Cinderella. One could also call it that uh, Tarantino's insisting on his foot fetish being in every one of his movies. But yeah, we get. A Is whole that real? Scene Does he through. actually have a foot fetish? Oh, Jesse, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a well-known director trademark. There are loving shots of women's feet in every one of his movies. What a weirdo. Uh, all right. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh-huh. Um, well, so. <laughs> I will call it the Cinderella moment because that's yeah, also sure. what it is um, <laughs> when the shoe fits. Uh, that's right. And so, you know, she meets her demise here and quickly realizes it and says, all right, well, now what? Just do it, you know, basically. Yeah. And he does. Yeah. Um, he strangles her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, sad. Um, but she has 
played her role. Um, she sure has. She has gotten and and supported the the lead up to this moment. So again, a she casualty. got the bastards in the building. That's exactly. right. Exactly, a casualty of the the sacrifice that we all must make. <laughs> to kill all of these bad Nazis. <laughs> and immediately after, uh, the, the baddest Nazi uh, informs us why they were able to get into the theater in the first place. He knew all along. Of course he fucking did. So the next scene is Brad Pitt and uh, 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 BJ Novak are, are are spirited away to a secret room. Brad Pitt screaming epithets about the Germans the entire time <laughs> under a bag. Which is also rewarding, yeah. The best, the best. Just him screaming the dumbest. Like, like basically being Yosemite Sam about Nazis <laughs> under the hood. Um, <laughs> But we have our first parlay between Hans and uh, and Aldo, uh, where Hans basically lays out, uh, I will help you win the war. I will help you end World War II tonight. I will let you, uh, I've already planted dynamite in the theater box that Hitler and uh, and uh, 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 Goebbels are in. Um, I'm, I'm on board. I will stop it if you don't agree, but you can end the war tonight. But you have to connect me with your high leadership, like your commanding officer. I want to talk to him about securing my escape from the war and my assumed identity as an American on Nantucket Island. I want to be uh. Sheriff Brody. All right. I want out of here. All right. I'm going to live on Martha's Vineyard for the rest of my life. Um, and did you recognize uh, who he was speaking with on the phone? Who was playing the CEO? No. That's Harvey Keitel, buddy. Tarantino's old friend. That's funny. I did not recognize that. <laughs> so we see Hans's plan finally come together. He secured a safe exit for himself. All things considered, and uh, all those got to agree, pretty good deal. Pretty good deal. Kill the entire German high no leadership yeah. in the war, and the, the worst psychopath the earth has ever spit out gets to escape free. Um <laughs> It is at this same time uh, that Shoshana's plan is about to come together when she receives a knock on the door. Uh, Frederick Zoller, overcome by the images of his heroism on screen, uh, is <laughs> overcome. His PTSD circles back, whatever the case may be. He has to excuse himself from the theater box. Which is like, talk about, oh, fuck. Like, you're, you're thinking, is he going to try and walk out of the theater and realize it's locked? Like, I don't know what's going to happen here. Like He can't get up. Ah! Yeah. I, Someone's walking. He cannot get up. Yep. Yeah. Because we, we know at this point that he's already stepped over dynamite to leave the theater. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like we saw, we saw Hans do the little kick it under the fridge gesture with the mm-hmm. dynamite there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he he approaches uh, or confronts Shoshana kind of uh, in her projection box for their fateful showdown. Ugh. I love this moment <laughs> so much. It's so good. Yes, their fateful moment. And she, you know, she knows why he's there. I think we can assume why he's there as well. Uh, he wants his big night. And he yep. wants it to end with the girl. You he know? wants what's owed him. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Right. exactly. Uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. And she's like, no. <laughs> and he's like, you can't talk to me like that. I can have whatever I want. Um, and then... Essentially, what happens is she says, okay, (laughs) come on in. Yeah, lock the door. Yeah, come on. (laughs) (laughs) And then in his, he's in his German anger, is like, Uh what? (laughs) You're saying yes? Um, (laughs) Which is great. A great moment. There's time for some some last minute Looney Tunes horniness as he scrambles (laughs) to lock the door. And he turns around to find that she's holding a revolver and he uh, and he gets shot. What we think is dead. Um, Uh Shoshana gets her uh, her preliminary revenge against the people that took her family. She kills them dead. Uh, but in her kindness and her humanity and in this being a fucking movie, 
She has to go make uh, see his face, I guess. Yeah. She turns him over. He's alive. He shoots her. She dies. Uh, it's this big, like, operatic slow motion thing as she's falling down and her blood is mixing with the light of the projector and the and dust her dress and, the air and the filament and her, and her yeah. beautiful dress and that Ennio Morricone mu- music you mentioned earlier, which is really beautiful. Um, but Shoshana dies too early to see her plan come to fruition. Yeah. Um, but oh, but, does she see it? Oh, <laughs> yeah, she she conducts it, my friend, yeah. uh, because we've reached the point in the movie where uh, Frederick Zoller screams from the eagle's nest. Does anyone want to have a message to send to Germany? And Shoshana definitely does. Shoshana, so the giant bad. face in question, delivers. Do you want to take this part, Jesse? I, I, I got the impression because we were texting while you were watching this exact part of the movie. Yes, we were. Um, and I could sense your excitement. What happens next, buddy? Well, I love that line. Who has a message for Germany? And she says, I have a message for Germany. Uh-huh. In the, English, no less. Exactly. Exactly. She's only spoke French this entire time. She delivers it in English. Yeah. And says, I am your enemy and I am here to tear you down. Um, and, it, you know, in so many words. But it's incredibly... <laughs> That she doesn't actually say what I said, but uh-huh. <laughs> it's incredibly. I think she says something like, "I am a Jewish girl from so and so, and I am here to enact my revenge upon all of the yeah. terrible things that you've done to my uh-huh. people and my community and my family um, uh-huh. and the world." So here you go, <laughs> um, and then she sends her message um, to uh, Marcel and says, "Marcel, it's time," and you have this great moment where he's smoking in a cigarette and he says okay Shoshana <laughs> and flicks it over and up goes the film <laughs> uh-huh and there and there is one other plot thread that's happening simultaneous to this just to get the pieces oh, in the yes, right place yes. on, the, on the mousetrap board so uh we are left with uh the bear jew and then dominic the coco are still hatching their plan they've left their theater seats they have the dynamite strapped to their calves but they're in the men's restroom and they know where the theater <laughs> box is with hitler inside of it they so they it have out. their little <laughs> they have their little cartoon conversation of when i kill that guy you got 30 feet to get to that guy can you get it so they quickly undress they make they make the bear jew look like a waiter and they bring over a glass of champagne which to, by the way the they have their cool hand guns their glove guns yes their hand guns the best so they, yeah they have their single shot little like punch guns that they use to take out the final guards during the climactic shootout scene uh shot hasn't happened yet we're all over the place uh but they take out the last two guards position themselves just outside the theater box where hitler stands which means that during the Revenge of the Giant Face, we get one last shootout, don't we? Yes, we do. <laughs> you got those guns and you're in one of those two boxes? Let her rip. <laughs> Hell yeah, let's go! Let's go! So this is the final like big climax of the movie, of course. The theater is on fire. It's burning down. They've locked the doors from the outside. Everyone in that theater is a Nazi. Everyone burns to death. Uh, the, the, the two remaining bastards who have not been captured by Londa, uh, airhole Hitler and Goebbels, basically. We yeah. get several shots of them just unloading on them with automatic rifles. Uh, we see we see Hitler on the ground turned into Swiss cheese yes. by this gun. <laughs> 
course, Tarantino, please give us this comedic moment of this, of this course, iconic absolutely. face being torn apart by bullet holes. And it should be said that uh, this is the moment where I had mentioned earlier that I brought my dad to see this because I know his love of World War II cinema. I wanted to see if <laughs> my, like, let's call it my generation's version of this storytelling sure. would jive with him. I, I think I lost him at this moment. I think this is when he was like, oh, come on, man. What am I watching here? Because <laughs> if I bring it up, this movie up to him now he's like the machine guns and hitler what are you talking what are we doing here <laughs> so i'm sorry dad sorry hanson i love you bud um but yeah so we see the we, we see them shooting their rifles into the crowd everyone's burning alive oh uh, by the way go we for have it. to go for rewind it. for a moment because the filmmaker what's his face hellstrom or i don't remember um the guy who made Goebbels. oh is it Goebbels? no it's not it's not Goebbels. um it's that other guy i don't know who it was who, who hitler's sitting next to <laughs> is it Goebbels? it might be yeah it's Goebbels. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The he's one the director okay yeah. okay hitler's sitting next to him and hitler says this is your best work yet and he it's like he's being he's told, crying yeah like he's winning his oscar I'm like out of boy son you thank did you it you so done good <laughs> and then all of a sudden the next moment later shoshana's face shows up on this thing uh-huh. and he's like oh shit Fun behind the scenes fact, Eli Roth, who plays the Bear Jew, directed Nation's Pride. He directed the actual film within the film uh, in, the, in the Eagle's Nest. That's right. Yeah. So he ends up shooting the director who directed the movie he directed. Um, but then <laughs> as, the, as the, the plot goes on, everyone's burning to death. It's a complete chaos. This is this grand symphony of destruction and carnage and the right people are getting what they deserve. And then eventually the film screen burns away, but the smoke from the fire becomes the screen of the giant face. She's projected like the great wizard of Oz, the great and powerful wizard <laughs> on the smoke in the theater, Man behind the cackling and cackling at the, the Nazis roasting alive. She did it. Uh, so they, they were going to die and she was the Jew that did it. It's the best. Um, so that was it. Uh, Operation Kino went off with a million hitches, but because Londa and Aldo Ray negotiated for his release, it was able to proceed as planned. Uh, and then we have one final scene. This is the... Is this the most triumphant final scene in any movie you've ever seen in your life? Yes, because at this point, uh, Landa thinks he's won. He thinks he did it. Yeah. He figured yeah, it he out. He has. Yeah. He pulled and off the greatest did. ruse in history. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did. He did. But not without a moment of, all right, well, take me, take me to my new home, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're going through the, the the charade of like their play acting that he's been <laughs> captured by American forces being turned over to the proper authorities, right? Yep. Um, is it really necessary to put me in handcuffs? <laughs> yeah, bitch, it is. Um, <laughs> and down down goes what's his face that the German yeah, soldier his colleague. With them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and you know. Uh, um, Aldo gets gets one more scalp of uh, of a Nazi here, <laughs> uh, which is just like okay, whatever makes you feel good, I guess. Yeah, there's the turn. That's the turn. Like Aldo, basically, he shoots the uh, the guy to uh, Hans's left. Uh, Hans freaks out, of course, because he thinks he's going back on the deal. And Aldo explains very calmly, "I'm not going back on the deal, man. It's a yeah. good deal. Judovich, you make that deal. I make that deal. Yep. I don't blame you. Great deal. We so- shook on it. Let's just keep going. <laughs> but 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 all." Aldo has an exception. He has a caveat. He has a condition of the deal. Uh, Aldo cannot stomach 
another German soldier walking free after this war. So he gives him a uniform he can't take off, doesn't he, Jesse? He sure does. And you get to see him carve it every last line of it. Okay, so... This is this is one of my favorite like special effects in any movie ever because yeah. that is that is Christoph Waltz's head. Like you see him, you can barely the head is kind of obscured a little bit, but you he is screaming the, bloody his murder. His eyes like from here. His and above, eyes yeah. are open exactly. So we get the top down shot of the swastika being carved in his forehead. <laughs> um, the beautiful makeup effect of like flesh being punctured and yes. blood spilling out on a head that is moving and screaming. The actor is there. So incredible work there. Um, and then we get the, the, the final line in the movie. Uh, do you recall what that was? My masterpiece. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, Univision, I think this might be my masterpiece. Then fucking credits. Movie over. The best time anyone can possibly have at the theater. Perfect movie. I just love Brad Pitt and BJ Novak just like, just taking a look at their work of art. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's how you get to Carnegie Hall. You got to practice. Yeah. You got to get the reps in, bud. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's so good. <sighs> so that's what that's what I was I was most excited because you were texting me through the last like 15 20 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yes. And just you're you you kept losing the ability of speech the further <laughs> along you went in the movie. <laughs> just just turning into this ape, this, this screaming ape. <laughs> 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 Get it over with. (laughs) Let's go. Like we we've seen like it could have ended at the theater. It could have been at any moment along the course of this movie, but he gave it to us, man. He gave us like uh, there's been a lot of tragedy, there's been a lot of death. We lost a lot of good folks along the way. But I'll be damned if if uh, uh, Hans Landa is going to walk a free man without the stain of his complicity in this atrocity uh, the rest of his life. It's the best. Like, and Tarantino ends it on the meta note. I think this might be my masterpiece, and it absolutely is. Yes, uh, it absolutely great. is. Jitsi Bravo. Uh, it, it 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 really is. I think perfect. Um, what? Where do we go from here, bud? Where do we go from here? I mean, first of all, this movie is so good. I think, like, as we've been talking about it, and we had we've had our moments throughout, but like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be up there for me. Like, it's just such a great film. <laughs> like, if there, if I was to choose like a real film, like I wouldn't say any of. I mean, all of my movies were real films. All credit, no, credit sure, is due, absolutely. But <laughs> like, if we were to choose a truly like artistic piece of of work, like this is it. This is good. This is good it's stuff, the one, right? And yep. I think you um, you tied it in really nicely, like our dad's generation versus our generation. Like, this is our World War Two. That's movie. It, yeah. Um, this is our expression of that of that global trauma. Exactly. Yeah. And and I think it's it's really good. It's really powerful. Like again, it's a, a, a kind of reclaiming of a moment. Um and it's worth a watch if you're looking for a fun, you know, Sunday afternoon. This could be it. <laughs> uh, also, like, good luck finding it on streaming. It, it was it was on Netflix. I, I felt bad about this, by the way, Jesse, because I didn't realize until last night, like, when I had to go find my DVD of this to watch this again, like, it was on Netflix for, like, five years straight, and now it's fucking nowhere. Yeah, uh, I found it. Where'd you find it? Um, oh, I see. I see. Okay. <laughs> Jesse found it. Jesse can be very creative when it comes down to it. She's very. <laughs> Jesse's very wily. I don't know. I don't know where I found it. 
I don't know. It's on YouTube. Go find it. I don't know. Google it. Yeah. That's what I did. <laughs> it can be found and watched. Uh, yeah, the, this is. I, I I'm a little ashamed of myself for having give beat myself up over this so much and like a- agonized over choosing my fifth slot. This was absolutely in my top five favorite movies of all time. It is a, a joyful experience. It's one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, and I. It's just a place I want to spend the most time. This it, beautiful, yeah. beautiful world. It also might be my favorite conversation that we've had about any movie. <laughs> this is the best, man. I love this so much. And I'm also like, I'm glad we didn't burn this one like halfway through and have to like end on Chunking Express. That would have been a bummer, huh? <laughs> that would have been amazing. I mean, we would have had fun with that too, but goodness gracious. Oh, sure. Was this Certainly. a way to go out with a literal bang? Certainly. Uh, I felt myself against the wall in choosing this last one. I was like, there's got to be some fireworks here. So, mm-hmm. like, do I do I betray myself and make it a Mission Impossible movie when I know no. that's not sincerely in my heart of hearts one of my top five, even though I love them uniformly? If you had uh, chosen that, I would have been very disappointed. Would you have? Okay, got it. It's a little on the nose, huh? Yeah. Um, but Jesse, this has been this has been a great joy over these last few months doing yeah. this project with you. It was a uh, fun little project. <laughs> it was a fun little one. Um, we don't know what's next on the schedule. Um, There'll be but, something. We don't know yeah, when, exactly. and we don't know what. So we'll all be surprised. That's right. That's right. It'll be uh, it'll be a shocking admission from one of us or the other. Uh, we will uh, we will get ourselves canceled and uncanceled. We'll have hot takes galore. Uh, we'll we'll be breaking down the best and the brightest of modern pop culture. Uh, we'll we'll be talking about movies, film, not music. Uh, Definitely not music. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, I'm gonna watch some stuff, man. I wanna I wanna have some pretty images in front of my eyes. You know, and we also we have. To just we've been doing our top five series for a little while now and since that has happened many great yeah. things have happened on television and Certainly. on screen so i think there are many things for us to to dive into here yeah we got we got some catching up to do yeah um but i think uh we, we can leave it at that um uh any last words about inglorious bastards before we wrap up our favorite film series i don't know watch it do it watch it again watch it again like five <laughs> years later it will uh-huh. still be as rewarding so like just figure it out <laughs> Uh, And thanks for going on this journey with us, showstoppers. We had a lot of fun. 